Where do you go? Who do you hire? Let's build your dream team. This is Prime Law Podcast, your source for good counsel. I'm your host, Andrew Mertzenich, licensed attorney. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Prime Law Podcast. As always, you can get in touch with us by calling 708-76-MYPOD or by visiting www.primelawgroup.com slash podcast. Let's get on with the show. Today, we are going back to our roots, if you will, and talking a little bit more about estate planning, but specifically, we're going to talk about building your estate planning dream team. Now, I hinted at this in previous episodes, and now we're going to take a deep dive into it. So, again, I'm sharing with you my philosophy on your dream team in estate planning, and life planning in general is a trifecta. You want to hire the best advisors for your future, and those three professionals that you want in your corner are your attorney, your tax accountant, and your financial advisor. I list them in that order because your attorney will help you a lot throughout your entire life, but you will probably only see them every few years or so. Your tax accountant, you're more likely to see at least once per year, if not more. But your financial advisor, well, you might be calling them a few days a week trying to figure out how to take advantage of market fluctuations, diversification of assets, and moving ever closer towards your financial goals. We've already talked in our first few episodes about estate planning generally and how your estate planning attorney, such as myself, is trained to assist you in passing assets after you die in the plan that conforms to your wishes. Due to scheduling, however, the second member of your dream team will have to wait for another episode. I'm thinking of doing that one right around tax time, starting January 1st, but these professionals are pretty busy around that time, so don't hold your breath that that one's going to be anytime soon, but we'll get it in the works. Therefore, that brings me to the subject of today's episode, how your financial planning professional fits into your life plan. As always, rather than just talking about it and listening to the wonderful tones of my own voice, I want to take you to the source. Therefore, my guest today is my good friend and colleague, Jeffrey Lewis, from Savant Wealth Management in Rockford, Illinois. Mr. Lewis is a financial advisor here in Rockford at Savant, And before becoming an advisor, he completed Savant's Accelerated Career Development Program, an in-depth program that provided broad exposure to the foundational areas of Savant's financial planning process. Prior to completing the program, he spent four years in both Savant's investment research and financial planning departments, where he worked with financial advisors to develop tax-efficient investment strategies, drafted financial plans, and worked alongside clients to help them envision their ideal retirement. Jeff also serves on the board of directors of Rockford Promise, a local nonprofit that offers full tuition college scholarships to deserving graduates of Rockford Public School, District 205. In 2022, he was recognized by the Rockford Chamber of Commerce as one of 40 leaders under 40. Jeff is frequently interviewed by local TV stations and has been quoted by both local and national publications, including the Financial Advisor Magazine, Smart Asset, Forbes, and the Rockford Register Star. So let's move a little bit into your practice as a financial planner. I, I, I have to ask, what, what does it take to get started as, a, 
as I'm coming to you, Jeff, and I'm like, I want to start getting my life in order. What does that take? What does that look like? It takes a lot of courage uh, because we all understand that opening up to somebody about your personal finances is not easy. Unless you're like me and you like to brag. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you know, it can be a very difficult conversation for people to have. Personal finance is very personal. It's kind of like going to the doctor, except it's about your finances instead of your health. A lot of people don't like to talk about it. It's kind of been this taboo topic within our culture here in America is you don't talk about finances. Well, you don't, you don't talk about pay. You don't talk about benefits. You just, Correct. that's between you and your spouse Correct. and maybe, maybe your financial planner yeah. if you decide it's, to hire It's one. a little bit of a taboo conversation to have when you have friends over for dinner. And you don't, you don't just open with, yeah, <laughs> I got the commission statement that, yesterday. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it takes a lot of courage. It really does. And Sometimes it's just right place, right time for a lot of people. If it's top of mind or they go through a life event, they feel like, okay, if, if not now, when am I going to get around to this? And I think it's, it's like that for a lot of people, but you know, first things first is you got to have the courage to seek out help because if you're not willing to seek out the help, you're never going to get it. The first step to success is admitting you have a problem. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Well said. Well said. Well, I got it from the 12 steppers. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Um, so, um, how long have you been in the financial biz? Yeah. So I've been in it for almost eight years. Fantastic. Yeah, right out of college. Right out of college. It was, it's funny as, you know, as you mentioned off the top, you know, start off the show, you know, we met at Magic Waters. I know. With, uh, Hurricane Harbor now. I yeah. Think, right? Magic Waters Water Park right down there. And, you know, <laughs> good old, right on the neighboring border of Cherry Valley and Rockford. Built, built character. That's we'll right. Say. And I kind of always had a passion for helping people. Ooh, passion is a good word. Um, but I, I also had this natural interest in economics and finance and, and just money in general. Do you have and a degree in either of those? Or? I do. I have a degree in economics. Nice. Um, so Ben Bernanke would be proud. That's right. That's right. So, you know, I got to this point where I was a senior in college. I still had no idea what I wanted to do. Oh, God, it sounds like my law school days. The last thing I wanted to do was go and knock on people's doors and ask them, you know, hey, have you thought about your investments or have you thought about your insurance? What are you doing about retirement? That's the last thing I wanted to do. And I was thankful, or looking back now, I'm thankful enough to find an opportunity where I didn't have to do that, but I could also still help service people in terms of their financial life. And so I really kind of found, you know, the company that I worked for was a perfect match for me from a personality perspective, as well as from a career perspective. And, you know, I feel very fortunate to find that straight out of college. because Not a lot of people are able to do that. Well, to kind of bounce off of that, if somebody were considering a career in this, what would they have to do? Well, I think first things first is you have to enjoy working with people. I oh, mean, I'm out. Um, I mean, (laughs) every day we're, you know, you're working with people, whether it be your internal teammates or your external face-to-face meetings with clients. Very people oriented. You got to be people oriented. You have to like having conversations and building relationships with people because at the end of the day, it's relationships. Uh, But same as the law, very, very same as law. Uh, But you still have to have that technical aptitude or that technical ability to deliver people advice when it comes to personal finances. So you have to be, you know, you have to have a good education. You have to be able to work hard and work at what you're doing. Um, I say that discipline is one of the most underrated things in life. Uh, we lack discipline, I think, just across the world in terms of how we live our lives. And Hang on, I got to check my cell phone. Here. <laughs> 
And I'm fully admit I lack discipline when I'm at home at 9.30 at night and I see a box of Oreos sitting oh, in the pantry like I'm going to eat the Oreos. Like I, I struggle with it. 100% behind you. 100%. Um, but it's a lot of, you know, personal motivation, uh, willing to build relationships with people and then caring about getting people from point A to point B to point C. Fascinating. Fantastic. Um, and I don't think I've, I mentioned it at the opening, but I don't think we talked about it. you work at Savant. I do. Yeah. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about them? Because they're, they're local. As they right. are. Yeah. We're here right here. Rockford, Illinois is where we're headquartered. Uh, so Savant was actually found way back when in 1986. The Dark Ages. The Dark Ages. At that time, it was founded by one guy. His name was Tom O'Downey. Um, at that time, it was called Savant Planning Group. Uh, Tom's history and background was kind of on the insurance side of the world. Uh, but what Tom came to quickly realize was he hated being pushed a product that he had to sell to customers from the insurance company. Basically, the insurance company saying like, hey, we want you to sell these products to people. Here's the list. Go. Ooh. Well, Tom was like, no, this not people don't need this. And this isn't what's in their best interest. And so Tom actually broke off, started his own business. Um, ah, with, always the rebel. That's right. With with the first and foremost thing at the front of his mind of looking out for people, doing what's in their best interest. And that's kind of Savant got formed, as I mentioned, 1986. Uh, Tom partnered with our current CEO, Brent Berdeski, who's still uh, working today. Nice. Um, in 1993. And that's kind of when Savant- A very good year, sir. A that's very right. good year. That's right. So uh, <laughs> that's when Savant Capital Management was founded. And since then, we've rebranded. We are now, you know, now known as Savant Wealth Management. Uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of the background of, of yeah. Savant. Sure. So wealth management then, that encompasses not only financial planning. We talked a little bit about investments. Uh, what else What else did we, did we talk about Savant? Yeah. So I think, you know, wealth management, retirement planning, investment planning, income tax planning, those are all buzzwords that get thrown around in our industry. You we know, call it the you, marketing. Exactly. Are you a wealth manager? Are you a money manager? What's the difference between the two? What's the difference between a financial planner, a financial advisor? And I think at the end of the day, if you're working with a financial advisor, or a financial planner that you have a really good relationship with, in a, in a way, they're kind of like a life coach because they're oh, not no. just necessarily concerned about your personal finances, but they care about who you are as a person. Are you reaching your personal goals? How's your kids? How's your family? Oh, they become your financial therapist. They become your financial therapist in a way. In some ways, kind of like a, just a coach. You know, everybody's got a teacher. You have to learn one way or the other. You know, you and I went to high school together growing up. We had a lot of teachers. Mm -hmm. Some we liked more than others. Some we didn't like. Some more. we didn't like at all. <laughs> but everybody in life has to have that teacher, that coach, that mentor. And I think it's really important to find that whether it be in your personal financial life, whether it be in other areas of your life, because that relationship can provide a lot of value to you, not just on the financial side, but on the personal side as well. We are so in agreement because that's what I think about when we talk about law is that uh, the point of this podcast is to empower people to understand where they're coming from and what their goals are and how to achieve their goals. And I one of my favorite relationships is when someone calls my office they want to be a client and then they eventually become my friend. It's just so rewarding. Yeah. In that regard. It, you know, it's, you always, you know, you always have those short list of people who you just dearly care about. Like, Hey, 
you want to go out to lunch today? Like, do you just want to meet and talk? <laughs> that reminds me, we need to reschedule lunch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's always, you know, there's always those relationships that you get really close just because maybe commonality and fam- family demographics or maybe just commonality, commonality and regular interests, whether it be reading books or watching sports, whatever it may be. And, and so, yeah, it's a unique thing to come across when you build those relationships with people. But, you know, I'd, I'd be interested, I mean, how, how do you go about kind of building those relationships, you know, when you first meet with someone to when, you know, you meet with them for maybe the fourth or fifth time? Oh, hang on. I'm the one asking the questions here. This is, <laughs> well, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Oh, well, the, how the table, how the, ta- how or, the tables have turned. Or how the turns have tabled. That's right. Indeed. No. Uh, well, I mean, when a client comes into my office for the first time, you know, we don't know anything about each other except for they may have read my bio online and maybe have heard this podcast or, uh, Many times I've only read their intake form and the only thing I know is name, address and what they're looking for. And I always I always think it's interesting. It's supposed to be a 15 minute consultation, but it never, ever is under 20 minutes. And the reason for that is because we always talk about more than, okay, well, we need to talk about your will. We need to. But there's getting to the why are you here? You know, it's like I can you know, it's very easy. You can pull a will online, you know, but, you know, and you can figure out how to execute it. But the problem that you run into is where's that personal touch in your estate plan. And that's what I try to focus on. That's why I love estate planning is just that relationship learning with people. And what's really cool is when I, when those not only like I'll take care of a parent or I'll take care of a grandparent, but then the next thing I know their kids are calling me saying, Hey, you know, you did grandpa's estate. Can you help us Mm -hmm. do ours? And it's just, it's like, oh, well, now I got the whole family that we're all working on this plan together. And it's just such a rewarding experience. Yeah. I mean, nine times out of 10, when somebody comes into my office and I say, so what brings you here today? They say something along the lines of, I'm either not happy with my current advisor, the performance of my accounts, my accounts are not doing very well. Because you have so much control over that, Jeff. Correct. And... And I, and I sometimes I have to repeat the question. I go, no, why are you here? What are you trying to accomplish? And it really allows them to take a step back and say, oh, well, wait a minute. He actually wants to know more about why, why I'm here, who I am and where I'm trying to go. Not necessarily concerned about, you know, why I'm frustrated today. I mean, I think those are two important distinctions. It's important to make sure that you put the person that you're meeting with that their concerns are are heard and their concerns are answered and responded to but at the same time i also think it's important to make sure that you both are on the same page throughout the meeting and you both understand why you're there today because when you go into a meeting and and you've never met someone their agenda might be completely different than your agenda and how do you synchronize and how do you synchronize the two and sometimes you're able to do it right at the beginning of the meeting Sometimes you can't really do it until the middle or sometimes even the end. Or maybe even a subsequent meeting when you're finally... Exactly. And that's where it gets difficult. But I think that personal relationship, trying to develop more of the personal side early on helps with some of that. I'm kind of curious. You mentioned about your, uh, you know, if somebody walks into your office, they're unhappy with their advisor. Just curious, which do you see more of? People who are, this is the first time they're talking to a financial advisor, or do you see more of... No, I've, I've been through, I've been through the ringer a few times. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, you see it all. I mean, it's not more so one thing or the other. I think going, you know, during, you know, the year 2022, 
financial mm-hmm. markets have not been friendly for a lot of people. Which for the first time in basically a decade, I mean. Yeah, I mean, we've had some blips along the way, obviously. I mean, there was the, the blip in 2020 with the health pandemic when stocks lost 40% of their value in a matter of four weeks. Well, then four weeks later. It was Four weeks heck. later, they recovered. Yeah. And so people kind of, you know, just chalked that up to, you know, a pandemic that nobody foresaw coming. But there's been some blips along, along the way, but you're right. This is the longest downturn we've seen in the markets going back to the Great Recession in late 2000s. I mean, it basically started in January and it's continued all the way even. I mean, just as we're recording this, we just saw the CPI, uh, consumer price inflation. We'll we'll, we'll call that the bump. That's Um, right. It was kind of cool to watch because I I had never had a bump that big except for back in COVID, but I had lost the money and then recovered it. Yeah. Um, But just to, it, it was like, oh, that's what the market can do. It can. And it, and, it, and the thing is, is what people forget is, in, th- in this year in particular, it's been a really tough year for markets. I mean, down anywhere from 20 to 30, 35%, depending on what mm-hmm. part of the market you're looking at. People get frustrated and they feel like they have to make a change or they have to do something. Mm-hmm. But you see what happened in the market you know, yesterday when the CPI data got released. Like The market rebounded really quickly. Recovered five, six, seven percent, depending on the index you're looking at. And if you were not in the market, you would have missed it. Correct. And that's what's most frustrating for a lot of people is I feel like sometimes people just shoot themselves in the foot because they felt like they had to do something. Well, you know, maybe you didn't have to, but you weren't organized enough or you didn't have a well thought out plan as it relates to how it relates to your personal finances to actually get through that difficult time period. Well, that actually is a great segue into a little bit. You gave the listeners a spoiler on the 330s. <laughs> we were going to debut that. Um, but we talked a little bit before the show in our pre-planning about uh, my philosophy of the 330s, this yep. idea of you can divide life kind of into three sections. You have the first 30 years, the middle 30 years, and then 60 plus. Um, you and I are about to enter into the wonderful middle section. Uh, you could call it the messy middle, as uh, the Money Guy show calls it. <laughs> um, but you know that that thirty to sixty. But we we're just we're at the tail end of our twenties. You know, it's uh, been a been a fun ride. I'll admit. That's right. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are. I've told I've done a podcast previously on telling people about here's kind of the estate planning you should look in your twenties. You know, you should have your will. You should have your powers of attorney. Stuff like that. If you start having kids, you want to have guardianships appointments, stuff like that. That's the you know basics of estate planning in your 20s. What are the basics of financial planning in your 20s? Yeah, I think it's about organizing and prioritizing. So the earlier that you can start saving for your future, the benefit is is compounding interest. Now, not everybody's familiar with compounding interest, but the- I'm kind the, of familiar with compound sentences. Yeah. <laughs> the simple idea is that $1 becomes two. $2 becomes four, four becomes eight, eight becomes 20, 20 becomes a hundred. Exponential growth. Exponentially working for you throughout your working life. And so for a lot of people who graduate from college or taking their first jobs, if you're offered the opportunity to participate in an employer 401k, 403b, simple IRA plan, whatever it may be, if there's some sort of employer sponsored retirement plan, take advantage of it. You know, mm-hmm. I always tell people, even if it's a little bit along the way, the earlier you start has compounding benefits for the rest of your life. And the less you have to catch up later. The less you have to catch up later. And so uh, it was funny, we were talking before the show. um, Yeah, you know, you could probably start thinking about that stuff when you're 30 years old. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you might be all right. I mean, you'll probably be fine. You know, you can retire 60, 65, whatever. A normal career. But, you know, I think the, the unique thing for us is a lot, retirement's changed for a lot of people. 
a lot of people are now thinking more about, okay, when can I be independent from my job as opposed to retiring? Like, what is the point where I can just be like, hey, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go do something else. That Sounds a lot like FIRE movement, uh, financial independent, retire early. Correct. Financial independent, retire early. That's exactly the movement. And so it's uh, it's interesting because you have to start really early or you have to be making and saving a ton of money. Which is easier? Starting early. Oh, darn. <laughs> Starting early is way easier because not everybody is in necessarily their control of their own earnings power. So like if mm-hmm. you're... If you work for a company, well, you have a salary, you have a salary likely, uh, you're, you're probably going to get raises if you're doing a good job. Um, but you know, in some ways you're limited. Whereas maybe if you're an entrepreneur your business owner or whatever, you know, it's all in your control. It's however you can build the business and the enterprise value. A commissioned insurance agent. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That is how we do it. Yes. So, um, so yeah, there's different ways. I always say, you know, put time on your side. It's more about time in the market as opposed to trying to time the market. Ooh, good phrase. Good phrase. So it's all about playing the long game, um, and go from there. So someone in their twenties, how much should they be putting away if they wanted to ha- and understanding everybody's goal is different, Yeah. but like what, what, what would be my starting point to say, I need to save this much. Yeah. I mean, the good rule of thumb is somewhere between 10 to 15% of your gross income should be going towards retirement. And that's, and that's not just saved that's put into the market invested. Correct. So yeah, there's a difference between savings and investing. A lot of people get that confused. So when I think of savings, I'm thinking of, okay, I'm, I'm setting aside savings for a car, for a home purchase, or whatever it might be. When I'm thinking of investing, I'm thinking about, okay, 20, 30, 40 years from now, I need this money to be there for me. And so I need to make sure that it's invested appropriately. I need to make sure it's probably relatively aggressive, knowing that the time horizon is so long. Again, talking about we're in our 20s right now. Correct. And and for the listeners out there, this is not formal advice. You should definitely contact your financial planner or tax accountant, whoever you work with. We'll have you that. record the disclaimer at the end. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure I got that out there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, generally rule of thumb is good 10, 15% to start. Not everybody can afford to do that straight out of college, especially if you got student loans. Maybe oh you just bought a car. You're trying to save for a house. You've got rent. Uh, it's very difficult when you first start off. And generally what I tell people when they get that first job, and if you do have a 401k or a 403b available to you, put in the minimum amount that gets you your employer match. Because that's automatic 100% return. Automatic 100% return. It's free money. Your employer is giving it to you. Take advantage of it. Employers don't give us much, but they can sometimes give us retirement money. That's right. That's Fantastic. right. So moving into that second 30, where you're at kind of that 30 to 60, and, and again, there's so much that could be happening here. I mean, some people don't have kids. Some people decide to buy a house. Some people have a business going and all that. So again, we can't give personal advice. Correct. But what should I be thinking about as I'm entering those 30s? Maybe kids are on the way. Maybe a house is on the way. What what? Where, how does our perspective change yeah. in the financial planning realm? Yeah, I, I, I describe once you get into your 30s, this is when life gets real. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> if you don't have kids or a house or you haven't hit that. You made the right decision for the millennials. <laughs> <laughs> or you haven't hit that stride in your personal career yet. Mm-hmm. It's likely one of the three is probably going to happen in your 30s. Uh, well, that, but I also tell people, like you were talking about career, it's the fact of you are getting into your career. You're not just working jobs. You're not just working to make money. You are actually finding something that you're 
maybe not feel great at, but you're saying, this is something I can see myself doing for a long time. Yeah. And so I think once you start getting into that phase, especially once you start having a family and and homes, and I'm sure you can allude more to this, Andrew, but (laughs) the importance of having an estate plan in place. Um, If you have young kids and maybe a spouse who depends on your income for support, life insurance becomes uh, a big topic of conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, But then just really trying to prioritize and having that conversation with your life partner, like, hey, what's what's important to us? Where are we going? Where are are we we going? Like, what are we trying to accomplish? And I think the earlier you can have that conversation in life, it's going to be helpful. However, it's going to change. I can tell you right now, you know, I, you know, there's 30 years old, you know, there have been 30 year olds that I work with and who are now 36, 37, their life has completely changed. Well, it goes along with the statement. I'm not the person I was at 22, who is not the person they were at 18, who's not the person they were at 12. Exactly. A lot can happen. And so I think, you know, the, you know, in your thirties, this is you starting to get your stuff together. <laughs> stuff. Good word. Good word. We like our fancy words. That's around right. Here. But then kind of the latter part of that second, that second life point when you're in your fifties and sixties, well now maybe you've maybe accumulated a little bit more. You have a little bit more of a nest egg that you're trying to protect against. And I think it's always important to have a good relationship with an attorney, especially a well-qualified one. Oh, well, there you go. I appreciate the plug, good sir. <laughs> but, um, you know, keeping in mind, like, okay, you probably you may have kids. Uh, maybe your kids have kids. Uh, maybe your kids um, are married. Maybe your kids are divorced. There's a lot of different life events that happen for families. And so I think always making sure that you're staying on top of different areas of your life as it relates to personal finances or retirement or estate planning. I think they're all really important and they really start feeling more important the older you get because now it's like, okay, I can't work forever. Mm -hmm. So how am I going to handle and accommodate for all of these things? Now, uh, just to touch a little bit, because investing is the fun part. Everybody loves the investing side. Everybody loves to talk about it. Yeah, Nobody likes to talk about the insurance, the cars, (laughs) the the kids. Okay, I can have a few pictures in the wall. Correct. But uh, the idea, though, is that everybody loves how fun investing is because you actually get to watch your money grow. In our 20s, we were looking at a very aggressive portfolio or something because it's like we got time if it goes down to recover. But in that second 30, we start to, as you say, reprioritize because we're putting less into the aggressive portfolio, maybe something a little bit more mixed, something that moderates risk. Yeah. Especially as we approach the end of that. Correct. Yeah, exactly. It's a great point. I think it it all comes down to two things. What's the time horizon? Is it five years? Is it 10 years? Is it 20 years? Everything in Bitcoin. I'm retiring (laughs) tomorrow. That's right. That's right. No, that'd be a horrible decision. No. (laughs) Well, maybe maybe not right now if it rebounds, but who knows? (laughs) Who knows what's going to do? But then it's, so it's, it's the time horizon, but then it's also your ability, your willingness to take risk. So, you know, from a, everybody has their own feelings about risk in terms of how do you feel about it? If your portfolio went from a hundred thousand to 200,000 or the other way from 200,000 to a hundred thousand or a million to 800,000, whatever it may be for you. And so everybody's, feelings around risk are a little bit different and that can't be ignored when kind of constructing an overall uh, portfolio that's allocated to different, you know, areas, whether it be stocks, bonds, alternatives, cash, whatever it may be. And so, as you mentioned, you know, the, the later on you get in that second tier of life, the closer you get to age 50, 60, you're probably going to be a little bit more conservative just because at that point, you know, 
that you're probably going to need to rely upon that money sooner rather than later. Uh, but for a lot of people who have time horizons of 10, 15, 20, 25 plus years, you can still be pretty aggressive in terms of, you know, how you allocate the portfolio, and generally, I, generally speaking. And I think that, I think that's why you and I really do love what we do because everything is so personalized. Everything is so bespoke for what Correct. the person, what our clients want and what our customers, what their goals are. It's, you know, an estate plan for someone who has charitable intentions is a far cry from someone who says, well, I just want to leave everything to my kids. Exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a whole different conversation. Well, let's move into the third 30. Yeah. Let's move into the sixties. Cause third that's 30. Cause that that's where um, I've noticed that many clients really start to think less about accumulation and they're, you know, like your 60 plus includes, you know, 60 to 65, you know, but that's where they really start to focus on what am I leaving behind? What's my legacy? What do I want? Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if you see that in your practice as well. All the time. Um, and, and the big one, obviously, that we talk about with people with is the avoidance of probate. If you can avoid probate at all costs for just for the simplicity of your beneficiary can reduce a lot of headache for them. Um, so the I agree idea, with that statement. The <laughs> idea of having to go to court just to determine who's going to get the money just because maybe a beneficiary was or a titling on an account was wrong, or whatever it may be. You're stealing my um, thunder, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's really important. You know, it's it's really important to make sure that you do that. I didn't mean to steal you. Oh, no, no, but, no, no, no. Pl please do. It means um, the less I talk, the more it's more no, fun I get to I, have. I, it's just, it's so important. You get to that later stage in life. And you've worked all of your life to build this nest egg, for whether it be for you, your family, charities that are important to you. It's like getting all the way to the one yard line when you're playing football and then fumbling at the one yard line. If you oh, lose yeah. something, it's just not worth it. So mm -hmm. it's really important to have that buttoned up with your estate planning attorney on that side. Um, I'm actually also curious on your thoughts on this one. We always want to talk about the big, bright, that beautiful tomorrow of, I, you know, I become a millionaire and yeah. I, I have my retirement set. But I, I've, I've always wanted to ask this question of a financial planner, because I think it's one of those things where I like to learn from other people's mistakes rather than making those mistakes myself. And so my question is, what if somebody is at 60 and they really don't have anything in retirement? What does that look like to them? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if they want to try to save up $200,000 a year. I don't know. Uh, but you could make it to 65 and have a million, theoretically. You're right. Yeah, I mean, depending, yeah, it all comes down to the, whatever that personal circumstance is. But I think it's, you know, personal finance is different for everyone. You know, whether you have $1 to your name, $1,000, a million dollars, or a hundred million. And, you know, maybe they don't have anything saved up for retirement. Maybe they have social security. Maybe they have a pension. Who knows what that might look like for them. Um, but it's definitely a different conversation for somebody who may not have a nest egg saved just because, um, from a planning perspective, it's not to say that you still don't have needs in certain areas. Like just cause you don't have a million dollars in the bank doesn't necessarily mean you should ignore not having POAs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you should still have your will. You should still have your will. POAs. Mm -hmm. If you live in a house, like that's mm -hmm. an asset. Sure. You can't live off of your house in terms of creating a sustainable income stream. But it's still an asset that you may want to leave to your family members. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really just the conversation is just different. No, no different than it is for somebody who has a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars or ten million. It's just a different type of conversation. And the conversation is 
what plan do we put into place to get you where you want to be? Yep. Exactly. How do you get from point A to point B? I mean, at the end of the day, that's what most people are trying to accomplish. Like right now I'm at the start, I'm at the start line Mm -hmm. and I have no idea what path I'm going to go on. And I understand that this path could go a thousand different ways. But at the end of the day, even if I go on path 999 or path number two, I still want to get to this end. How do I get there? And that's, that's kind of what we try to help people do. You know, I think that's just a, that's a great place to end for today. <laughs> I mean, just, it's been absolutely wonderful to have you, Jeff. But I ask all of my guests one question because I really think that it's important to get their perspective on things. Um, so if I could give you the, if I could create a stage of the world, what would you tell it? And it doesn't have to be finance related. It could be whatever. This is your soapbox, sir. Yes. Get on it wherever you want to be. I've been waiting for this all my <laughs> life. You know, it's one of those things where nobody ever asked me for my opinion. Here, I'm asking you for yours. You know, in the st- you know, and maybe this is just timely and top of mind because we just went through a, a more recent midterm election cycle. What and election is this? What are you? Talking I don't want to get political at all. But <laughs> as I'm sitting there watching, you know, the football games on Sunday, and I'm seeing all these political ads of people just basically attacking each other, like attacking. It, it their- got violent this time around, you know. Just be kind. You know, what happened to love thy neighbor, be kind to your neighbor, treat others how you would want to be treated, the golden rule. You know, I, I look around and, you know, you try to treat people the way that you'd want to be treated and, and it just doesn't always seem to happen, or at least on today's national news media, that's not what they cover. They only cover the things that go wrong or that's people are going to click on when it comes to the internet. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, you know, just be kind, be a good person, help your neighbor, help your friend, help your family member, be there for them, listen to them. Um, you know, we lose people so quickly in this life and you don't even see it coming. I think it's really important to cherish the relationships that you have and the friendships that you have with people, because at the end of the day, life is about relationships. Life's about friendships. Um, all the other stuff is ancillary. Well, my guest today was Jeff Lewis of Savant Savant Wealth Management. Correct. And it was an absolute pleasure to have you. And we're definitely going to have you back sometime. (laughs) Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Andrew. Thanks for having me. If you have any questions for Jeff or if you would like to get in touch with him, you can take a look at his profile on savantwealth.com. With that, we've reached another end of another episode. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to learn a little bit more with me. We'll see you again next time on Prime Law Podcast. Congratulations, you've reached the disclaimer. This podcast is a production of Prime Law Group, LLC, who are attorneys licensed only in the states of Illinois and Wisconsin. The primary purpose of this podcast is educational in nature and does not constitute legal advice of any kind. While we love that you are a regular listener, please note that no attorney-client relationship is created by you listening or acting upon anything you hear in this podcast. References to any specific product or service does not function as an endorsement or recommendation of the same. The views and opinions expressed by guests on the show are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, go to www.primelawgroup.com or call 708-76-MYPOD.